Well, hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of the Catholic Connect Podcast. So glad that you could join us on another beautiful day that the Lord has made. Hey, it's time to get fired up about being active in your faith, living a life in the state of grace, going to the sacraments frequently, receiving communion, going to confession, doing all that good stuff, because we need to fight against the tyrants in this world, the tyranny of unjust laws and unjust mandates. I'm so proud of so many people, the people I thought would never even be on my side. And uh, the people of goodwill extend well beyond the Catholic Church, beyond Christianity. And it's been so great to see all of us joining together, joining hands, getting our hands dirty, getting to work and fighting for what is right. And uh, wow, I'm just, uh, it's been incredible the last few weeks to see so many people of goodwill coming together. And uh, let's keep up that fight. So as Catholics, what do we need to do to keep up in the fight? We need to be challenged. We need to be living in a state of grace, living a sacramental life. How are we going to do that? Well, I'll tell you what, there's a lot of tools that we can do. We can read scripture every day. We need to pray every day, especially pray the rosary every day. Read the catechism, get to know your faith. And we also need to challenge ourselves, be disciplined. And I've also said that, you know, I look at athletes and say they're so disciplined, especially Olympic athletes, uh, you think of pro athletes, for them to take a step and be a good Catholic, a good Christian really isn't that far away because it takes a lot of discipline in our spiritual lives. So in order to help us with this challenge and to get us living in a state of grace and always working towards heaven, working towards that eternal goal, I was so happy to catch up with Nathaniel Binverzi from Exodus 90. So excited to share this conversation that I had with Nathaniel and really appreciate him coming on the podcast. So uh, here is that conversation. We'll see you on the other side, my friends. Well, praise be Jesus Christ now and forever. We're uh, very honored to have the following guest join us. Uh, He's currently the director of content for Exodus 90, which is really exciting. And we're going to talk about that shortly. Uh, He graduated from the University of St. Thomas in St. Paul, Minnesota, where he spent two years in formation at St. Jean Vianney Seminary. And leading up to his time with Exodus 90, he spent three years serving as a missionary with FOCUS, and uh, FOCUS stands for the Fellowship of Catholic University Students. He also has a master's degree in theology from the Augustan Institute. And most importantly, he is a family man. He's married with two children, and he is our brother in Christ. Nathaniel Binversi, welcome to the Catholic Connect podcast. David, thanks so much for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Well, that's great. Thank you for joining us, Nathaniel. So it's great to have you with us. So now you're based out of Indiana, but you spent some time in the state of uh, Minnesota. So that's pretty close to Canada. But have you ever ventured up to the great white north? I have. I've been there a few times, primarily farther east than you, though. I haven't been to Alberta, but I hope to sooner than later, as soon as the borders, you know, lift and let us Americans in. Oh, who knows? I, I I don't know. The way this country is going, I don't know if you want to really come in right now. You might want to take a little break. It's been pretty crazy. But uh, no, we'd love to have you up here. And uh, have you ever uh, gone to a hockey game? I mean, we like hockey in Canada. So uh, I know you're based out of Indiana now. I don't. There's no real hockey teams around you right now. But uh, Minnesota, no. the, the Wild's a pretty big deal there, right? So That's right. Yeah, I've been to a Wild game. And then since I'm from Wisconsin originally, the University of Wisconsin for collegiate hockey uh, is, sure. is very big. And of course, the University of Minnesota as well as well is so right. yes i've been to a number of hockey games it's fun to watch that's that's for sure and even more fun to play out on the frozen lakes and uh frozen baseball diamonds huh the frozen that's baseball cool. diamonds so that's pretty that's that's here yeah i think that's that maybe we should just do that in canada i never even thought of that i mean we only get uh 
you know, a couple of uh, months of uh, bad ice up here, but maybe, yeah, we should convert some ball diamonds into, uh, into rinks. That'd be interesting. <laughs> yeah. I, th I think that's great. I mean, they just flood them out, you know, they put a little perimeter around them and then just get out there and you don't have to worry about falling through the ice. Then in the springtime, you can play as long as you want. That's true. That's absolutely right. Yeah. There's a lot uh, less risk there for sure. If you're going to be uh, yeah, putting some parameters around some small boards, that's a great idea. I mean, you're onto something there. A little side gig <laughs> for both of us. We could do yeah. cross borders. <laughs> well, thanks again for joining us. Nathaniel, it's great. Uh, now you spent, um, I mean, you're up Exodus 90 now, just a, a great ministry in the church, but uh, maybe tell us a little bit about your youth and, and how the seeds of faith were planted uh, when you were a young person and, and uh, took you into university and into a formation program as well. So uh, yeah, maybe tell us a little bit about that. Many people have a pretty large conversion experience when they're young, and I didn't have any major conversion experience, just had a number of little ones, which is a real uh, piece of gratitude that I have in my heart for my parents. Now, they weren't super Catholic. My mom converted to Catholicism when she got married to my dad, and my dad went to Mass every Sunday, you know, my mom with him as well, and took us, but he didn't really know a ton about the faith. However, even though he didn't know much, he gave everything he had. For example, every night he'd pray with us at our bedside, the Now I Lay Me prayer or the Angel of God prayer. That's about all he knew, but he did that with us every single night. And so I grew up uh, with this Catholic faith, always knowing Jesus, which was a huge gift. Went to Catholic schools as well. And then sometime in middle school, my neighbors, they have four boys. I have two sisters. They were evangelical free and started shopping around for a new church. And I was going to church with them every once in a while and skipping Sunday mass. And uh, I didn't know the difference between Sunday mass and Wednesday mass at my school. So it's like, you know, I go once a week. Good enough. I'm 10 years old or whatever end up leaving the church because I'm rebellious and want to argue with my Catholic school friends and uh, going to church with them, still loving Jesus for sure, just being away from the sacramental life. And then my junior year of high school, my third year of, of high school, I was encountered uh, or encountered this Catholic priest and he was young, newly ordained, and he was willing to argue with me every single week. And uh, we sat down and we argued really like well about theology. And he filled in my Swiss cheese theology with his far greater education than me as a 14, 15 year old at the time or whatever. So I came back to the church and now became instead of an arrogant anti-Catholic, an arrogant Catholic. And, you know, did that for a little while till I realized I was losing all of my friends and that wasn't a good idea. So ended up uh, going to the University of St. Thomas, wanted to study uh, business and Catholic studies, did those, joined seminary junior year of my collegiate years and dropped the, the business degree, picked up philosophy since that's what I needed as a minor seminarian and just had little conversions in there as well. That conversion with that priest, a conversion in seminary when I realized I'm just being obedient, but for obedience sake, not out of love for God, not out of a relationship with Jesus Christ. So that was uh, a good turning point in my life. And then later on, I studied um, theology for my master's degree after I had already left seminary and was married and had an, a small conversion then as well, uh, where I encountered the logos while studying theology, just reading through the Old Testament and salvation history and learning, wow, Jesus is truly alive and, and present here in the word and just had a totally life-changing encounter with the word and love the word even more now than ever before. So lots of little encounters, lots of little experiences. And I owe a huge debt of gratitude to the church for all that it has done for me in my life and my formation. Well, that's great. And like St. Jerome says, ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ. And it's amazing what, uh, what happens when you open the word, you start reading it every day and how it really changes your life. And that's, uh, that's uh, so good. 
So you uh, you move on after university. I mean, you got you, sounds like you're you're taking a lot of different courses. You ended up with uh, some degrees here. This is great. Uh, go to Focus, and then you end up at Exodus ninety. So, uh, what's it like? I guess to be um, you know you thought you're going to be a business guy. That's actually what I went to school for, Nathaniel. So that's interesting uh, that you did that. But um, what was it like to kind of just get into into ministry full time in the church? Like, what, what what kind of experience is that like, especially for uh, for a young person in their twenties? Yes, it was it was fulfilling to say the least, and fulfilling mainly because I felt the Lord was definitely asking me to do it. So I don't want to throw anybody under the bus and be like, yeah, it's not fulfilling to be a businessman. That's just not the case, right? If the Lord's asking you to do that, we need good and holy people in every single good and holy sector of our culture. And business is one of those things. So sanctify the workplace if that's where you're called to. For me, I was called to full-time ministry and still am and I love doing it. And it is extremely fulfilling at the same time, very challenging. I face challenges every day in my work because Satan has an absolute um, stake in this kind of competition here. My work affects souls immediately. Businessmen's work affects souls, but maybe not so immediately or not so directly. So different struggles, different privileges uh, with each. So, but I love it. I love doing it. I love being able to hear the testimonies and being fueled by those testimonies, even though I'm sitting in an office a lot of the times uh, and just do the best work I possibly can with the Lord when I'm open to receiving God's grace and cooperating with it, which, you know, isn't an absolutely everyday thing. And it's a struggle in and of itself. I hear you. And you, and you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, it's, uh, it comes for all of us, right, Nathaniel? And uh, I think it's, it's refreshing, too, to talk about the reality of spiritual warfare. There is the devil that's out there. There is, uh, as the, um, uh, the great venerable uh, Bishop Sheen would say, there's the kingdom of light and there's the kingdom of darkness. And you can't be... There's only two camps in this world, and uh, so so we know that uh, that the evil one's coming for us. And when you're working, especially in the church and in ministry, uh, you're it's it's a daily and hourly struggle. It's always and when you least expect it, right? There's things that come up, and the same thing when in our vocations as as husbands and as uh, as fathers for sure. And I mean these these things come to us, and uh, it's when you sometimes least expect it, and that's why we need to live a sacramental life, no doubt about it. So. Um, how did you you come to Exodus ninety? You're the you're, uh, the director of, of content. Is is kind of your your um, uh, I guess your what's oh, on the business card? I guess Nathaniel, right? That's so, right. <laughs> so how did you how did you arrive at Exodus ninety? I'm assuming you probably heard about the uh, the ministry before, but uh, how long have you been with Exodus ninety four? And and how did you get come about to uh, to be working with them? Yeah, so James Baxter is one of the co-founders of Exodus ninety, and James and I. Both were in seminary together at the University of St. Thomas in St. Paul, Minnesota. So we knew each other well before Exodus had even become a thing. And a priest friend of his, very good friend of his and mentor, started Exodus in a seminary. And then after its great success in a seminary, went to James. And James had also left seminary by this time and said, hey, why don't you bring this to the laymen uh, all over the world and see if it takes, see if they if they need it. I mean, if these holy guys in seminary, you know, just quote unquote, holy guys, right, in seminary need greater freedom, greater detachment from the things of this world so that they can hear God. Well, what about guys who aren't quote unquote, the holy guys? How much more do they need a life of freedom so that they can hear God's will for their life and do it as well? So James did that. He started it. And after a couple of years, I, I did it myself without having worked for Exodus 90 and then did it again. And uh, 
they needed some help. I was finishing up my master's in theology. And upon finishing the next day, I started work there. So it was uh, a gift to start there and then help to rewrite Exodus 90 and develop further content from there. Well, that's great. And you know what? I've I've heard of Exodus 90 for like for several years. I've never never actually done the the journey, but I uh, definitely know a lot of people that have. And uh, it's kind of funny. The first thing that comes to my mind, Nathaniel, is cold showers. That's one of the things that uh, that's, uh, I guess, a part of it. It's interesting what people remember about certain programs, right, Nathaniel? So, but, uh, and, and there's good reason for that, talking about mortification, giving something up, making yourself feel a little bit uncomfortable. But tell us about Exodus 90, this, uh, this ministry and this journey that, uh, that you put men on. We refer to it, yeah, as a, as a spiritual exercise. And because it's, it's much more than just like going to a Wednesday night program at your parish. This is something you don't check in and check out of each week because it's something that you immerse yourself into, a lifestyle that you enter into, an exercise you enter into for these 90 days to lead you to greater freedom and to help you identify where you might even be attached to things where you didn't know you were attached to. So before I get into the details of kind of the what Exodus 90 is, let's talk a little bit more about the why. So one thing that, of course, that I'm mentioning over and over and over is that it helps men become more free. You talk to anybody who's finished Exodus 90, and they'll tell you, I am experiencing far greater freedom than I am before. And in fact, we have independent research on Exodus 90. 99% of men, this is well over 1,000 people polled, and over you know 40,000 men have done Exodus 90. 99% of people say that they have experienced greater freedom in their life because of their experience through Exodus 90. That's no small percent to say the least about it, right? But you talk, about, you talk to a guy before he's done Exodus 90, you say, do you think you need more freedom in your life? especially here in the you know United States, you know, land of the free and the home of the brave, right? Wave the flag. However, like, we think we're free. We think, no, I can do whatever I want, whenever I want. I can eat whatever I want, whenever I want, as much as I want of it. I am free. Yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> a problem of not understanding what true freedom really means. Not just the freedom of choice, but the freedom to do the good always, at any moment. And most of us are attached to the things of this world and we don't even know it. We might be attached to drinking a little too much or eating a little too much or watching too many sports games, possibly. Or when we go home from work and we think that we're home when really we're still on our phone and still in the office in front of our wife and our children, stealing that time away from them instead of being the husband and father that we need to be. So there's plenty of things in this world that if we actually sit and examine our life, we might realize, wow, yeah, I could really use some help becoming a better man, better husband, better father, whatever state you're at. And Exodus helps with that, helps with that greater freedom, that closer relationship to God and better ability to, to fulfill your vocation wherever you're at. So that's more of the why. To go quickly through some of the what, of course, there's a list of ascetic disciplines. That's acts of self-denial. There's a list of prayer disciplines and a list of fraternal disciplines. Okay, fraternal meaning like your small group of men. And Exodus 90 happens wherever you are. You go and find five to seven men to have a small group a fraternity with every single week you meet with them. You're going to read through the book of Exodus. You get a daily scripture from Exodus and a daily reflection that helps you stay on the path instead of going to despair or going to pride, which is another option here. You do your daily holy hour every single day or at minimum of 20 minutes on those days that you can't quite get in a full hour. And that's silent prayer, not a rosary, not going to mass, just silent prayer, dialogue with our Lord so that your time in mass, your time with the rosary is even more fruitful later. And then 
you also have these ascetic practices, no sweets, no sweet drinks, no snacking, all for the, all of the 90 days, cold showers instead of hot showers for the 90 days. That's right. No sports, no social media, no computer use or television use or movies of any sort, except for what's necessary on the computer for like paying the bills or doing your work or doing your studies. If you're a student, all of those things, only music that lifts your soul to God. Oh man. What else is there? Exercise three days a week. There's a number of things here. No alcohol. Why? Because oftentimes as men, we turn from one thing to something else instead of turning to God. And from the outside, you see here this whole list and you're like, man, I don't even know if I can do this or man, I can do this. I can white knuckle it. I'm a man. And both of those are the wrong responses. But the best response is like, I can't do this, but I want to be a better man. And I'm going to accept this opportunity to get on my knees and receive the grace that the Lord wants to give me in these 90 days. And you grow in reliance on him. So I'll stop there. I've talked a little too much in this. No, that's great. That's great. I love it. No, that's uh, that's so good. You know, I was actually, I, I was sick about, uh, I don't know, probably a month, month and a half ago. Not sick to the point where I was hospitalized or something. But, I, you know, I just, I had a flu. I was I was in bed for a couple of days. And it's amazing how God speaks to you when you're silent. And all of a sudden, you don't, you don't feel very good physically, mentally, you know, spiritually. And you're, you're kind of by yourself, right? And, uh, and you have these, this encounter with God. And I, I always say that's kind of where God comes out and kind of hits you with the, the two by four to get your attention. And I think in, in illness, I think that's where, where God sometimes uh, does that, just to encounter us and say he wants to get your attention. He certainly got mine with a lot of things that I was doing because I was like, ah, oh. when you're, when you're, you know, you're kind of laying there and you have, you're basically there with God, right? And you make that that decision to have that dialogue, and all of a sudden you start listening, and and He starts revealing what He'd like to, what what His will is for you, and you're like, man, there's a lot of things I need to clean up in my life, and you know it's kind of kind of funny, not in a haha way, but just funny that. Um, when I started feeling better and you kind of get back to the, the ways of your old habits, you're like, Oh, you know what? I kind of forgot some of those things that God was sharing with me in that time when I was really in prayer, I was sick and I was in prayer. Um, so, uh, and that's why the church always suggests at least once a year for people to go on a retreat, you know, if they can go on a weekend retreat, uh, it's only a couple days, but these are, these are exercises that we can do too, to grow in holiness so that, that we can have that silence. Um, it's interesting that you say that sometimes you can, you know, people go through Lent, like the Lenten journey, right? Nathaniel said, let's give up something. Let's give up sweets. Let's give up TV. And uh, just a, a little funny story. This is, uh, this is several years ago. I, um, I, get, I used to watch the Edmonton Oilers, which is my favorite hockey team all the time, Nathaniel. So I said for, for Lent, and this was when they were not a very good team, I, I, I didn't, and I didn't even share this with anybody, but I wasn't going to watch any, any hockey games, none through Lent, right? And uh, the funny thing is the priest, I told him about halfway through Lent what I was doing. He said, oh, what are you kind of giving up? Or are you kind of sacrificing? Oh, I'm, I'm giving up watching the Oilers on TV. And he's like, oh, you should probably watch them. That'd probably be a, a more of a mortification for you just to watch <laughs> those guys and more of a suffering. But, um, but yeah, when we give up something, like I know, you know, some people are just on their phone constantly. So, okay, well, I'm going to give up social media. And, and you you might do it for a couple of days, but then you resort to silly little games or something like that, right? You're still on your phone or you're still looking at scores and highlights. You, you kind of take this this uh, whole approach, right, Nathaniel? It's not just, you know, giving up alcohol. It's uh, it, it's giving that up, but it's giving up a lot of other things too 
so that you know that that vacuum effect right you, you give up something there's that emptiness but it's not always god that comes in so um yeah what's the yeah do you have some comments on that of, of why you give up everything as opposed to maybe just half the stuff or a couple things right yeah so that's the exact reason right so that we so that we rely on god and we're not in the habit of relying on god we're not in a habit of actually turning to him when times get hard however it's, I mean, times like time when times get hard, that really does reveal who we're to, who God is in our life or who God is to us. For example, we have a financial difficulty at home, or we have, uh, you know, a sickness at home, or we have a problem even less intense than those things at home. Who do we turn to to make it right? Do we roll up our sleeves and say, "I'm the man of the house. I'm going to make this right. I got this. I'm not going to tell my wife about this financial difficulty. I'm just going to get us through it. I'm not going to tell her about this problem that happened. I'm just going to get her through it. Get us through it." Then you're God then you just put all authority and power into your own hands instead of turning to the one who actually cares more about your future than you might even, right? He wants your good so much and in fact has the means of bringing it about if we would just follow him. So with Exodus, by taking up all of these different things, it helps us to realize that and to practice that and to put it into actual discipline of, man, I really want a beer right now. So I'm going to turn to dang it, I can't turn to that, or dang it, I can't turn to that. And we just get hit with this, why can't I do any of these things? And oftentimes it leads to a great frustration for a little bit, which is why we need a fraternity. So that we can turn to our brothers and say, look, I'm just really frustrated. Exodus is, I'm trying to use good, clean words here. Exodus is making me angry, okay? And it is stirring in my soul uh, in a kind of a negative way. And we turn to our brothers and our brothers are just like, and uh, how's your prayer been lately? Well, I haven't been doing the prayer part. Okay. That's a common response. Oh yeah. I've been doing all the disciplines, but I, you know, I haven't really been doing the prayer part. Okay. Like we need all of it. Bring this to the Lord. He is our source of peace. He is our everything, man. Right? Like, so just go to him and Exodus helps us with that. This shouldn't be an exercise that leads you to greater pride. It should absolutely be an exercise that leads you to greater humility. So that when times do indeed get hard again in the future, we don't keep things in the dark, but rather we say, wife, this is what happened. This is what I prayed about. This is how I think we're going to move forward. What are your thoughts as well? Run it by your wife and then make the call in accord with the Lord and whatever he has in store for the good of your family. Just much different approach to us trying to white knuckle it ourselves, if you will, through life. And especially for married people too, we have to look at our wives as our, our partners, right? And our uh, you know, it's we're in a sacrament, guys, right? So when we're when we're married, uh, you know, your wife is not uh, definitely not your enemy. She's your your partner in life. She's your, uh, uh, you know, your that's God's gift to you and uh, and increasing in your holiness and, and bringing her to heaven as well. It's so important. So I'm glad you brought that up too, Nathaniel. So what about the guy that um, you know maybe and, and maybe he's not even married, but he's never never been on a, any kind of a, a spiritual retreat before. Uh, you know, he's, uh, you know, maybe he might observe a few things during, uh, during the church year on Good Friday or Ash Wednesday, giving up meat, maybe things like that, but it really has never done any sort of acts of, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, giving things up or, um, or they have much of a prayer life. Uh, he looks at this and says, boy, 90 days, that's three months. That's a, that's a long time. I don't know if I can do this. What would you say to encourage someone to, to get involved with this, this journey? Definitely a great question. 
And as a little teaser to keep people hanging on here a little longer, if you've done Exodus 90 or you're thinking like, what's after the 90 days? Is there anything more for me? We get over a thousand days of reflections and disciplines for you. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But that's your teaser to hang on to the show here. Take it to the end. But to this man who's who's dealing with that, which is a man we face all the time. And a question that we get from men who maybe are a little bit more advanced in the faith and they want to lead other men, they ask us, who's this good for? Is it just for men who are you know deeper in their faith or... Can this be used for anybody? And they're thinking themselves, this was really hard for me. How could anybody else possibly do this? And I'm deep in my faith. Yeah, this is an exercise that meets you right where you're at because it's just using the Christian life, a life of prayer, a life of asceticism, a life of fraternity. This isn't Exodus 90. This is the Christian life. This is us as men modeling ourselves after the master, Jesus Christ. This is the life he lived. He lived a life of prayer. We see that very well. He lived a life of asceticism. He was a Jew. He kept the law with great obedience. And of course, we see him 40 days in the desert. Others, other examples as well of taking up suffering, not to mention he asked us to take up the cross daily. So this is a man who lived asceticism well. And then of course, fraternity. He hung out with those 12 apostles on a camping trip for three straight years. It's pretty good fraternity if you ask me. So we need to do this either way. We need to live this life either way. So the question to that man is, all right, well, if you're not going to take up Exodus 90, how are you going to live a life of prayer? How are you going to live a life of asceticism? And who's going to hold you accountable to that? Who's going to be your fraternity? Because you've got to have those things either way. And most of them have, I mean, it's, it's hard to, to have an answer to those things. That's why Exodus is here. It just helps us live that Christian life even better. So to that man who's struggling, to the man who thinks it's too much, who's never done anything, great. You're right. It is too much. The Christian life is hard. I've done Exodus 90 five times, and I have failed Exodus 90 five times. And what do I mean by that? Well, I finished it every single time. However, I never did it perfectly. You know that phrase, David, that, that says, you know, uh, God only asks of you as, as, as much as you can handle. Or the Lord, what is, how does it go? Huh? Lord never asks us more than we can handle or gives us more than we can handle, something like that. Yeah. Right? That's a total lie. And it ought to be a total lie, right? Because God asked so much more of us. If he only asked us to do what we could handle, only gave us what we could handle, we wouldn't need him. We wouldn't have to be in a relationship with him. We would be a slave who went and did our job and came back and said, I am a slave. You are the master. I am not your son. I did the task. Give me my pay. That's a transaction that the Lord isn't asking of us. He wants us to be his son. And we know as fathers, David, you and I, and all those other fathers out there, we know our sons need us. And we're not angry about that. We love them through that. And in fact, it gives us great life and joy when we can help them when they ask, right? Man. And so it brings delight to the father when we get on our knees and say, I need you, daddy. I need you. Exodus helps with that. Well, that's so good. Really love that. Um, isolation. Nathaniel, the last 18 months has been a difficult time for a lot of Catholics. Um, and, and mostly by, uh, you know, the powers that be, we've, we've been put in isolation away from our parish communities uh, and away from our families. You know, I heard something interesting the other day. You know, someone said, you know, they um, they were trying to make plans to meet with somebody and it fell through. It just didn't didn't work out. And they said, surprisingly, said, this is when I knew something was wrong with the way things are going in the world. He said, I was kind of okay with that. You know, I was okay with not meeting this person. It was my friend. You know, it fell through, but it wasn't that big of a deal. Not as big of a deal if it would have been for two years ago. And uh, I was 
it's concerning what, what's going on in the world right now. And, and I, and I, and I hate to say it this way, but it, but I think some people are putting themselves in isolation a little bit, even our own Catholic brothers and sisters where, you know, we don't have access to maybe to mass the way we used to. And even if we do a lot of the, the programs at church or at our parish, maybe it's a Knights of Columbus meeting, maybe it's a youth group meeting, those aren't happening in person anymore. And I know from my observation, I'm concerned with that. Nathaniel. I'm concerned that people are just saying, but you know, maybe that's okay. You know, people are kind of isolating themselves. Um, how have you, or have you been hearing some, some testimonies, some feedback here, especially in the last couple of years here of, um, how this has brought men out of that, that isolation, because the devil wants us to be isolated and feeling by ourselves. Right. And that's when he comes to attack us with temptation. Uh, yeah. Have you, have you kind of heard any testimonies or stories from some other gentlemen, how, how the Exodus 90 has kind of taken them out of that, that isolation and brought them back into a, a right relationship with the community and also with, with our Lord. Definitely. Absolutely have. Certainly we're, we're made after the image and likeness of God, right? So he is Trinity. That means he is unity. We are made for that same unity, for unity with the Trinity, within Jesus Christ and in each other, since we're members of the body of Christ. So certainly that's, that's the first and foremost premise here. We are made for unity. We are not made for isolation. Okay, great. Moving forward, even before any of these times that we have today, Exodus helped men see the difference between having buddies and brothers. The guys that they thought, you know, they could, you know, they really love, they watched the, the, the Oilers games, for example, with, you know, and drank yes. beers with or whatever and had a shallow conversation with, they realized, wow, I didn't think I had shallow conversation. We argued about all the players and who was the best ever. And I thought those were great conversations. But then when I call these guys, maybe they would, maybe they wouldn't come to my door and help me move. Right. Whereas once they learned what a real brother is, a man who they might not have known very well to start, but they started doing Exodus with, and they started suffering with this unified suffering, the same type of unified suffering that the church calls us to every single land, this unified suffering. We grow in relationship with those men much deeper, much quicker. Those are the kind of guys who show up to your door before you call them because you told them they, they, you were moving and they're ready to help. That's a very different type of brother. And they're going to call you out too. If you stop showing up to prayer, they love your wife and they love your children a lot. So much so that they're not going to let you fail. They're not going to let you not show up to prayer for a week or not live the life that you want to live. They love you like that. That's a real brother. And that takes a lot of courage to live that out. So certainly then within these last 18 months, that's happened. Men have indeed continued to meet in, in times and places where it's appropriate to meet. And they've continued to live this life in a way that they can't find it even through buddies who are no longer wanting to meet with them at all. So that's been a gift. Then we did a research, a little uh, research study on digital fraternities or uh, remote fraternities, because we had a lot of remote fraternities happen over this last year, as you can imagine. And we thought that remote fraternities would not be nearly as successful as in-person fraternities. Well, David, uh, we can't argue with the independent research and the questions we asked. We were wrong. And here's my thesis of why. And first of all, we were wrong in the sense of it showed almost no difference in terms of one's experience with Exodus, one's growth in their spiritual life, whether they were with an in-person fraternity or whether they were in a remote fraternity. My thesis here is this. Both sets of men, remote and in-person, were living lives that were not the Christian life. And both 
dispose themselves to God's grace. They open themselves up to God changing their life radically through living a life of prayer, living, living a life of asceticism, and having brothers in some way, shape, or form, remote or in person, holding them accountable to living out that life that they want to live. And God showed up both times. He met us where we were at. Imagine that. So we need fraternity, to say the least. Men are experiencing it with Exodus in a really great, beautiful way. And, you know, I think it's important for us to, to remember, even though this world is, is crazy, like, and every day it seems like something comes out, Nathaniel, that just makes you scratch your head and say, what is going on in this world? But but God is still in control, right? He's still, I say Jesus is still the king. It doesn't matter who the prime minister of Canada is, the president of the <laughs> United States. Thank you, Jesus, you're still the king and you always will be. So uh, that's so important. And I, I'm glad we're talking about what a true brother is to Nathaniel, right? What is... What, who is your brother? Who is the guy that's going to help you move? But who's going to be the guy that's going to keep you accountable in your spiritual walk? And I, I grew up on the Baltimore Catechism, Nathaniel. That was what my mom and dad taught me. And I, I'm trying to incorporate that into even our kids' spiritual lives. And I just, you know what I really loved about it as a kid was they always had a lot of illustrations and these pictures. And and uh, that always meant something to me. And I always um, always remember the, the illustrations of the narrow road to eternal life, right? And and I think as as gentlemen, as men, we've got to realize that, uh, you know, not saying that it's 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 wrong to go and you can have a, you know, a, a good time watching a game or something like that with some of your secular friends. But at the end of the day, if, if you're going to be making that choice, that choice to, to not be in neutral anymore in your spiritual life, to live life in a state of grace and live a sacramental life, um, people that aren't going in that direction, they're going to see that very quickly and you're going to find yourself starting to separate from from folks like that. Not that that's, you know, not that you do that on purpose, not that you're going to abandon someone. You're still going to be their friend. But it's amazing that uh, that ideology, when you make a, a commitment to Jesus Christ and the cross, um, you know, like, uh, like St. Paul says, you know, the, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. So if you can be that example, there will be some people that aren't, that are, that are in the secular world that will come and ask you questions potentially that you got to be ready to answer as well, right? And maybe bring them on the road to eternal life. But I think we'd be really foolish to, to think that if we if we hang out with the 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 outside crowd, the non non Christians, non Catholic, non people that aren't of goodwill necessarily, that uh, that we can fall into into these worldly passions and worldly bad habits a lot more easier uh, because we don't have people calling us out, I guess. And, and helping us with uh, the fraternal walk to, to eternal life, right? So, so I'm really glad you mentioned that. Now, I wanted to point out just one, one quick thing, and I think it's important. Now, you said the readings are from the book of Exodus, and I think a lot of people, and please keep reading the Gospels and the New Testament, but a lot of people, when they read Scripture, they're, they're reading the Gospels, uh, you know, St. Paul's letters, which are all fantastic. But I know for myself, I've been reading a little bit more from the Old Testament. There's a lot of just great nuggets of, of wisdom and amazing stories there, Nathaniel, that I think a lot of Catholics just don't get exposed to. So, uh, yeah, maybe maybe comment on that. Not only just the book of Exodus, but the Old Testament itself. There's a lot of uh, a lot of gifts there, isn't there? Absolutely. And it wasn't until I studied the Old Testament that I really had that encounter that I mentioned earlier with the Logos. It was the Old Testament that put everything into perspective. Why did Jesus come? Why did he come then? We don't know any of those answers without the Old Testament, you know? It's, yeah. There's just so much more to the story. It's, in fact, as some of us already know, longer than the New Testament. There's a whole lot more there. It's a little bit harder to read, 
but that shouldn't deter us from the goodness that we can encounter there and the gifts that the Lord has in store there. So Exodus itself, we read through the book of Exodus because the Israelites who are in a foreign nation, they're in Egypt, they are growing stronger and stronger, as it says in the first chapter. And there's a new Pharaoh in town, if you will, who does not know the Israelite people. And he goes on, doesn't know Joseph in particular, who brought them into Egypt and worked for a past Pharaoh. And so this Pharaoh is intimidated by the Israelite people because he said they're growing in number. They're growing in strength and power. Okay, wait a minute. The Israelite people are growing in strength and power. What are we about to have a war here? You would think. However, the Pharaoh foresees this and instead essentially blinds the Israelites of their own strength and number and power by enslaving them, by putting taskmasters over them, by giving them heavy burdens. What does it look like is happening in our church today with Christianity today? Is our culture helping us grow as Christians or is our culture putting taskmasters over us, heavy burdens upon us? And enslaving us, pushing us out of the, the the common spaces and saying, you can't be here. It's a very interesting, uh, you know, parallel with what's happening today. And so we allow ourselves blindly to be like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to be Christian. You know, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, to say those things in the workplace. I'll keep my crucifix or my rosary at home. Please don't, you know, fire me. Okay. And we allow ourselves to become enslaved to this culture slowly and slowly mm. and buy the things that they are selling us, whether that be ideologies or physical goods that are distracting us from living the life that we need to live. So that's a one aspect of the primary aspect that happens there in Exodus that we get to read through. The other then is God's work with the Israelite people and how foolish the Israelite people are, how difficult it is for God to, to lead them, if you will, or how difficult they are being to God's grace as he's leading them towards the promised land, away from their slavery into freedom. And yet, 32 chapters into this book of Exodus, after God has brought manna from heaven, led them through the Red Sea, given them quail to eat, like all this stuff. And what do they do? They build a golden calf and worship it in the desert. Golly, Israelite people. But instead of looking at them and pointing the finger, I certainly look at myself and say, yep, that's me. God has done so much for me. The scoreboard is absolutely in his favor. And here I am screwing it up worshiping golden calves in whatever that means in my life in terms of other things as priority over God. So this is a great story for us as men to see like, wow, this is us. This is our story today. Yeah. We, we all have golden calves in our lives and it's uh, and the quicker we realize it, Nathaniel, the better, right? Then we can, we can get into prayer. We can get into relationship with God, live in that state of grace and, and address them. So no, that's a, that's a great point. I did want to ask you another thing about uh, about the the journey itself. And you and I live in larger centers, but we do have listeners that that live in more remote areas of of North America or wherever they're living, and uh, they may not have a, a big parish that they belong to, or maybe their their parish is very small, uh, and uh, they don't have a lot of other uh, Catholic gentlemen that they can really um, hang out with or or uh, you know just have that that fraternity with. But um, what would you say to someone like that? Because, uh, you know, this, this journey is for them too, but uh, how can they get uh, in touch with other, other Catholic gentlemen that may not necessarily be in their parish if they're from a more remote area? Yeah, first and foremost, I would say pray. Is the Lord asking you to do this or not? If he's not asking you to do this, then the answer is done, at least in that regard. You still have to find fraternity in your life, but it doesn't have to be necessarily this exact thing. Secondly, though, if he is asking you to do this, then okay. What is your fraternity of five to seven guys going to look like? The Lord is not going to let you 
ask you to do something and then not provide you the means to, to doing it with your cooperation, of course. So you, so if the Lord's asking you to go find five to seven guys, you got to be courageous enough to actually go and do that. That might mean asking men in your workplace who are or are not Catholic. That might mean asking men in your church who may or may not be coming on Sunday to Mass. It might be asking your neighbors or your family members or whoever. Discern that with our Lord. Then if you really can't find anybody or people are saying no, don't say no for them. Ask them. Almost all of us want to be better men, better husbands, better fathers. Anybody who owns a cell phone, especially if it's a smartphone phone, knows they could be better. We just do. We just know it. So ask them and propose that this this road to greater freedom, this road to, to being a better husband and father to them and invite them to join you in that. In the future, though, in the near future of Exodus, we will hopefully very soon be releasing some aids, if you will, technologically to help men find other men. I'm going to try to keep as much covered up here as we can because we haven't announced uh, these great features. But sneak peek are, on the Catholic Connect that's, podcast. That's right. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so yeah, we will we'll be hopefully helping people out coming very very soon. January 17th is a start date for Exodus 90, leading up to Easter. If you want to do that, you can do Exodus 90 at any time. But most of our men, 15,000 last year, did Exodus 90 90 days up to Easter, and this year that's January 17th. Now, for those men who just want to see, maybe they want to discern a little bit more about whether or not they should do this. In the Exodus 90 app, we have some seven-day exercises that you can do by yourself without a fraternity. Seven-day challenge. You can do a seven-day cold shower challenge or a no snacking challenge or a no media challenge or a silence challenge or a no alcohol challenge. All of these five options are just a different discipline with 20 minutes of prayer. And the readings are exactly the same. So just pick which challenge you want to do and then have the scripture and the reflection each day. It'll give you a taste of what this life is like. It'll also give you a greater insight into prayer, into asceticism, and into fraternity, and hopefully motivate you to live that life even better moving forward. So those are some options for those men right now. That's so good. So yeah, and if anybody is looking for for someone to or or interested in the program, they feel like they're by themselves, just reach out to me. We'll we'll figure something out for you. Um, We have a we're really blessed in this podcast. We have a lot of our sisters in Christ, a lot of women that listen to to this podcast. And of course, this is uh, a journey that's designed for, for Catholic men. But uh, what would uh, what would you say to some of our uh, our sisters in Christ that listen of um, maybe they have a son or maybe it's their husband uh, that they said, man, they could really benefit from Exodus 90. Maybe they might not see it right now, but they could really benefit from taking this journey. What would you say to them to encourage them to uh, to bring uh, the men in their life to uh, to a greater relationship with with Christ through this journey? This comes back to the topic of uh, men being the leaders of the family. And it's just funny whenever you hear a question that somewhat skirts along the lines of, man, my husband's not leading me. I wonder how I could get him to lead me better. And that's a circular thing of like, how can I lead my husband to lead me better? Okay, well, you're already doing something wrong because you're the one leading your husband, but I understand the issue. Absolutely. So my encouragement here in this particular situation is make room as much room as you possibly can for your husband to do this like just make it as easy as possible for him for example first you can just send him the link and say hey i came across this you ever ever heard of this maybe it'd be interesting okay not saying you should do this because that tells the man something okay that might not be taken super well Maybe it would be. Maybe you have a great relationship. Maybe with it would be too. Yeah, they'd be yeah. like, oh, sure, dear. I'll do whatever you told me to. Yeah, which would be okay. <laughs> which would be fine, yeah. Yeah. And then finding time for him. Like, hey, every Thursday, I think you really should have some guy time. 
Mm. And maybe you should find some guys uh, to meet with every single Thursday or something like that. And then saying, hey, I'll take care of the kids. I'll do this, do that. Hopefully in return, someday down the road, he will give you the same thing as well. Some good women time if you don't already have it, because we both need that. Mm -hmm. Good women to lead other women to greater holiness and men leading other men to greater holiness. So those are my simple suggestions, making that time as best as you can, and then proposing it to him uh, without some type of authoritarian uh, intent. No, that's those are good suggestions for sure, Nathaniel. Thank you for that. And uh, yeah. and on the ninety days, you know, we, we talked a little bit earlier in the when we were in our interview about this, but uh, you get through the ninety days, you, you somehow slug your way through it, and uh, you're at the end, you probably feel a great sense of accomplishment ca- crossing the finish line, the ups and downs, probably a lot of downs too for sure, but a lot of ups. Um, but after that ninety days, what what happens on day ninety one? Uh, the Exodus 90 journey does not end there, right? So tell us what happens after that. Certainly. So as mentioned multiple times, right? Prayer, asceticism, and fraternity is just the Christian life. It's not an Exodus 90 thing only, which means we need to be living this year round every day, whether that's Lent or whether that's the octave of Easter. A life of prayer, asceticism, and fraternity is there for us to take up, take up your cross daily. And this, I mean, we look at the religious in uh, you know their cloisters or wherever they're doing work and religious think about like, like i don't know franciscan sisters of christian charity or the poor or whatever they're not taking off their habits during the octave of easter kicking up their feet eating you know peeps and watching sports or something right like they're still living a life of asceticism in some degree now granted they're having more sweets and they're having great festivity and a greater solemnity and a greater level of joy that's good but they remember that they're also still human and they're still on earth and they haven't yet reached paradise. So we need to do this no matter what, all year round, in some degree. Doesn't mean you need to take cold showers every day for the rest of your life, unless what's asking you to, then you probably should. However, moving forward, I know a lot of us really desire to learn more about scripture. And so we designed a roadmap forward for all men to be formed, still as a fraternity, still with some acts of asceticism, but not nearly as hard as Exodus 90, and still with a, some disciplines in prayer. So you have this life that you just gained greater freedom from, and now you're going to move your way forward. We start actually back at Genesis, since this one's in the book of Exodus. We have a few exercises on the book of uh, Genesis. We skip over Exodus, and we move forward through salvation history, 20 exercises long, going through the narrative timeline of salvation history, just walking through the Bible in a beautiful way that it's still immersive. It's still holistic, because you still can't just check in and out every single week with your fraternity. You're still living a life of prayer, asceticism, and fraternity, making you a better man, forming you into the man that you really want to be every single day of your life. And as I mentioned, well over a thousand days of disciplines and reflections, including one specific to Lent, specific to Advent. It's just, there's a lot there for us to grow as men. There's only 365 days in a year, so a thousand days, that should cover you, right? So Yeah, that's good. good. Yeah. I'm so excited for uh, what you're doing and... Uh, and uh, what the team at Exodus 90 is doing, I'm, I'm just, uh, yeah, just really uh, grateful to to call you guys our, our brothers in Christ. And we're all on this journey together. And there's a lot of different things that we can do. And, and there's so many. The need is so great, isn't it, Nathaniel? It's just so, it's actually overwhelming if you really sit and think about it. But it's also a really exciting time, I think, to be a Catholic. And putting your own life in order first and making sure of your salvation uh, living life in a state of grace is the best thing that we can do, going to confession and going to Mass often, and uh, and then taking these next steps to to evangelize. So 
the the uh, Exodus ninety itself. How can we get a hold of of this um, of you guys and and what uh, what this journey could mean for for individuals, but also maybe even for the parish. If anybody's interested, how uh, yeah, how can we we reach out to you you and your group, Nathaniel? Exodus90.com is a great place to start. That's Exodus90.com. And from there, you can go and sign up in the top right corner. And after you've got yourself created a nice little login and account, you can then download from the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store the Exodus90 app. And right in there in the app, you'll find great features for you and your fraternity to communicate. You'll find all the disciplines, readings, reflections for Exodus 90, but also for all of that biblical series that I was mentioning afterwards as well. It's all there, everything right there in the Exodus 90 app. You can start Exodus90.com. That's great. Thank you so much, Nathan. It's been uh, an absolute uh, blessing to chat with you, and, uh, and I hope that we can catch up to you again sometime in the future. Absolutely. Hey, my pleasure, David. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Well, I hope you're as excited as I am to be a part of the the journey, the Exodus 90 journey. Exodus90.com is the name of the website. And that was Nathaniel Binverzi that joined us and uh, really appreciated that conversation with Nathaniel. And we live in such a, a, just a crazy world, don't we? Keep fighting for liberty, for freedom, and for truth in the face of adversity. And let's support each other. We need to be uh, not shy about sharing our faith with others and um, and sharing the burdens with others as well. There's a lot of people that are struggling with anxiety right now and uh, not quite sure where to turn and where to go next. So um, us as Catholics, especially uh, individually and uh, together as a group, we need to to make sure that we're supporting the folks that are uh, that are really struggling during this time. So let's do that together and let's be that beacon of light and of hope to others that that Jesus wants us to be. And uh, the best way to do that is to live life in a state of grace. You know how you got to get there. You got to be going to confession at least three times every year. Every Advent, every Lent, and any time you're in a state of mortal sin, don't even spend a second of your life there. Thanks for listening to the podcast, everyone. God bless you. We'll chat with you very soon.